Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. I am joined by Mary Meyer, horticultural science faculty member at the University of Minnesota Extension. And with us, she knows her stuff as you are regular listeners to this show. Uh, Mary, good morning. Good morning. Great to be here, Danny. Well, it's always fun to have you in studio with us, you and your colleagues as well. Uh, We were talking. It's still hard to believe. Eight years we've been doing this. Eight years we've been doing smart gardens. Yes, it's wonderful. And we want to hear from our listeners. So we have a survey up online. Where, Remember Julie mentioning that. Yes, tell us about that. Right. So at, on the front uh, lead story today for the Yard and Garden News on extension.umn.edu, click on garden or type in garden and you'll see the link for yard and garden news and then the lead story shows us denny right here in the studio (laughs) and there's a link there where you can click and and uh make comments about the show uh if you have suggestions or recommendations uh you can do that so we'd like to hear from you about eight years and we're gonna have a cake at the uh, state fair Right. Oh, really? We're gonna have a cake as, as if we need more food at the fair, right? <laughs> yes, but we'll uh, we'll try to do a celebration there. That's where oh, the that's public great. can see us at the state fair, and so yeah. But eight eight years, it's remarkable. And uh, thank you, Denny, for allowing oh, Extension no, to do this. this and is, to, the thanks uh, go to you people. guys. Is you do all the work here, and I know our listeners love it. It's probably the busiest show that we have. Here at CCO. Because, Especially in the summer. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, people, as you know, we get calls and texts 52 weeks a year uh, about do. lawns we and gardens. We do. Year-round calls, and it's great. I mean, plants are a big importance in our lives. Now, uh, let me. in fact, let me give you the, the, the phone number. It is the same now. Uh, if you have a lawn or garden question from Mary, by all means, call it in at 651-989-9226. That is also the same number for your text messages now. Easy to remember, 651-989-9226 for your calls and your text messages. Keep in mind that when Mary comes in and along with her colleagues too, uh, we tend to get really busy. So don't wait if you have a lawn or garden question. We, we want to field as many as we uh, possibly can. Uh, another thing you and I love to talk about and visit is the Arboretum. Yes, the Arboretum is gorgeous right now. The roses are really blooming. We have uh, multiple rose gardens out there, and roses are really looking wonderful this year. The peonies are just finishing. We have a beautiful peonies, and we have the You Betcha uh, Labyrinth Palace that you can run through. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Uh, That's our big build, our exhibition for this summer. So wonderful to get out to the... um, Best Botanical Garden in the United States, voted by all the wonderful people here in Minnesota. That was a popular vote in USA Today. Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, the number one botanic garden in the United States. How about that? Right here in our backyard. So a great uh, place to visit. Uh, The summertime is just beautiful. If you're thinking about what to plant in your own garden, 
great to take a walk around the Arboretum, walk or drive around the Arboretum and see what's blooming. It's just a beautiful time to be there. And bring that camera. You're going to see yes. some beautiful stuff A lot stuff of things there. blooming. Absolutely. Right. Yep. All right. We'll remind folks about that from time to time. Uh, let's uh, grab all oh, the texts are flying in, phone calls as well. Here's a text to Mary. It says, I have a volunteer catalpa tree growing right next to my house. This is the third year for it, and I want to transplant it. How much of the root do I need to get out of there uh, with it? I'm sure the root right now is about 20 feet long. So. <laughs> oh, well, well, you won't get 20 feet. Uh, I don't think uh, that'd be very difficult unless you have a big It's about tree four years stake. old, they added. Four years that. old, yeah. Well, certainly do it as soon as possible. And uh, right, I would do it as soon as possible as you can, not only right now this year, but every year you wait, it's going to get bigger and harder to transplant. So dig the hole well before where you're going to put it. Make sure you have the hole dug before you move, get the plant out of the ground. And then just uh, go around it, get as much of the roots as possible, and keep it well watered afterwards. You probably should prune off some of the top because you'll, you won't get all of the roots. And it will. those big uh, leaves take up a lot of water. They will wilt. So you might take off a third of what's growing at the top mm. to prune it to compensate for the root loss and then keep it well watered. So, you know, this is tough. When you move a tree like that that has been growing on its own, it has a big root system. In the nurseries, uh, plants are root pruned so that their roots are in a small confined area. So when they're moved, transplanted, or grown in containers, we have a big root mass. But in the wild like this, um, it's tough. It's a tough, yeah. but if you're going to do it, do it now. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones. I think Sharon is calling in from uh, Eden Prairie. Sharon, you're on with Mary. Well, good morning, Denny and Mary. Um, I have a variegated wigella, and it's blossomed. Now, should I trim it now, or should I wait for a couple weeks, and how much? Uh, you should prune it now as soon as it's finished flowering. This is the kind of the, the last of the spring flowering uh, shrubs and prune it right after it flowers. Uh, Wygelia is pretty tough. You can prune that quite a bit. Uh, you can take off some of the long tips if those are bothering you. Cut those back by a third. If you want to take off some branches way down to the ground to thin it out as well, you could do that as well. All right. Good. Thanks, Sharon. Uh, let's see who's next. Uh, Tom is calling from Maple Grove, I believe. Uh, Tom, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mary. Um, we have an arch in our garden, and it had clematis planted on both sides of the arch. One side is full. It's, it's like two foot thick, and it's starting to flower. The other side only has one strand that came up. So I don't know if we should look and, and replace that one on that side or if it will come back full next year so it'll, it'll bounce out both sides. Uh, you know, Tom, if it was mine, I'd just plant a third clematis in there. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe I'd leave the one that's kind of weak. Clematis do come back, but gosh, that sounds so weak. I, I think I would just go plant another one and have that on there. Um, I love the fact that you have an arbor with a clematis. I think that's a beautiful image for all of us to think about. But, you know, this winter was tough. We lost a lot of things. As as one of the uh, emeritus professors said to me, a lot of plants took it on the chin. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, it was tough. So I, I'd plant another one, Tom. You know, I wanted to ask you, uh, you, you're not 
you're you're not a shy person, but you're you you you're not uh, you don't promote a lot of stuff. But what is that great book that we've talked about in the past that Julie mentioned uh, last Saturday? That you oh, did uh, Julie? I, Julie, I wasn't. I don't know the book that I wrote. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people like the Grass book that I wrote. Oh, that's true too. That's true. But then the Ten Plants that Changed Minnesota. The Ten Plants yeah. that Changed Minnesota. <laughs> right. This is all to get people thinking more about plants. Right. Yeah. They think about plants and what plants have made a difference to us in Minnesota. And, of course, some of our, our ornamentals, I mean, the American elm, uh, but corn, soybeans, the agronomic crops yeah. have had wheat, white pine, lots of in, uh, in Minnesota. So, yeah, that's a book that's available from the Historical Society published that. It's available at the Arboretum uh, gift shop. I actually have a couple events coming up in July in Historical Society events. One at uh, Fort Snelling and so on to talk to have that book there. Oh, the good! Historical Society County events, Carver County as well, um, because people are interested in that, and it's cool. It's a it's an interesting apples. I mean, that's the oh, big one. Come on, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, come on. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. All right, and are you going to be this? You're going to be here for the next what week or two the on the show? Two weeks. I've three, yeah. three weeks in a row. How about yes. that's a this first? Is I one think one of three. Yes, and it's you know it's all due to people's schedules. Julie today is out at the Arboretum where the, there are hundreds of master gardeners at the Arboretum on the today master gardener conference. Yesterday and today is the big conference out at the uh, Arboretum with master gardeners learning because. That's a wonderful spot. It's a perfect spot for that, yes. In the next couple of weekends, I'm going to take some time off, as Steve Thompson will be here joining you. Good. So there. Uh, let's take a quick break here. We have callers on the line, texters as well. Don't go away. We're going to take this quick break. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, helping you out today, either by phone or by text. Same number. Uh, call in your uh, lawn and garden question or text it in, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. Mary, we have a bunch of both, so let's let's put you back, back to work here. Bev in Minneapolis has been waiting on the line here. Bev, you're on with Mary. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, can I divide a daylily that has buds on it now and uh, get it to bloom, or will it kill the plant and uh, and it won't uh, be anymore? I don't think you'll kill the plant. Daylilies are pretty uh, tough. They've got a big, nice uh, root system. Uh, you might set it back for flowering. So it probably won't flower anymore this year with your dividing it, but I doubt if you will kill it. You can divide daylilies. Daylilies and hosta are the two plants you can divide almost uh, whenever they're growing. So make sure that you have the holes prepared before you dig the plants and then um Water them well after you move them. Okay. I'm going to get back to the text screen in a moment. Thank you, Bev. Uh, but let's take uh, Elizabeth's call from Burnsville. Elizabeth, you are on CCO with Mary. Yes, good morning. I have an apple tree. It's a Harrelson, and I've had it for about 25 years. And each year, for the last several years, each one branch dies. It, the, the leaves wither, and they, they, the branch dies, and, and we cut it off. Well, this is probably maybe the fourth year that it's doing that, and it's starting from the top going all the way down. I've never seen the rest of the tree. The leaves are all green. It's just that it turned yellow, and then now it's 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 dying. The branch, everything is dying. Yes. Uh, So what you are describing is a classic fire blight, uh, which is a disease that apples can get. 
I'm not really sure if Harrelson is particularly uh, susceptible to that. Some spe- some cultivars are. But um, what you should do is that the first sign of seeing that turning yellow and flagging or starting to die, you want to cut that off as soon as possible and cut it off about a foot below where you see the flagging because that can actually infect the tree for next year. So uh, removal of the the infected part, uh, doing a good job with sanitation, cleaning up around the base of the tree, those are the best things you can do. And then I would urge you to go on the extension.umn.edu, click on garden, or just search uh, apple fire blight. There'll be some pictures in there, and you can see if that matches uh, what you have. So there are pictures of all the apple uh, insect and disease problems there, but I think you've got fire blight. Hmm. Okay. You and I were talking about the time of year, and uh, this is off air now, about uh, what's Tis the season for a lot of different uh, what garden shows? What what oh what, what oh did you start uh, tours talking? garden tours, tours. Yes, tours yes July is the month for garden tours especially here in Minneapolis so we have the Hennepin County Master Gardeners Learning Tour not only can you see gardens but you can learn in their demonstrations at gardens and that that's the uh, what the Saturday the thirteenth is that it it's we have to get through the fourth of July. There uh-huh. are no tours this weekend that I know of, and none on next weekend because of the 4th of July. But the weekend after that, um, the Washington County, uh, Ramsey County, Carver County, lots of counties around. And then there are garden centers that will do tours, Tangletown and so on. So uh, just uh, look online or uh, go to the county websites for the county you're in with and search for the Master Gardener Tour. There are lots of these going on. It's a great chance to see other people's gardens. You can pick the region you want to go to in the city. And, uh, oh, the Arboretum, uh, the Auxiliary does garden tours. Uh, and here you can have lunch, you can have brunch, you can listen to a harp player in the how garden. How about that? Yeah, how about that? So really take advantage of all these garden tours we have in cities, just a lot of them. Well, let's talk more about that as yes. we get uh, through the season, for sure. Sure. 651-989-9226, text the same number. Uh, here's a text, uh, Mary. We have a flowering ash tree that's beginning to have leaves that are turning yellow and some that are curling. Uh, it's in a sunny spot with plenty of water. It's about four years old. You know, I'm not sure what this plant is. A flowering ash, A-S-H. Yeah. I assume okay. it's a tree. Yeah, right. So <laughs> so uh, the the flowers on our ash trees are pretty inconspicuous, and they've been done for about six weeks. Mm. So I'm not sure what this person has. So here I, my quandary is I can help you if you can identify the plant. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you can't identify or, or if I can't identify your plant from the common name you're using, then I'm really up the creek because I can't tell what's going on. <laughs> well, maybe on. the texter heard you and Gosh. we'll have a little more detail. I'm wondering if it's uh, the, uh, oh, what's the uh, mountain ash. Ooh, maybe. Mountain ash is a whole different thing than our ash shade trees. So if it's mountain ash, they do flower now and curling up. They have a plethora of problems, and this is a short-lived tree. 20 years is a long life for flowering ash. Uh, They actually grow better up on the north shore than they do here in the cities. So I would look at the yard and garden page under what's wrong with my plant and search for um, 
the sorbus, S-O-R-B-U-S, sorbus, a flowering uh, flowering ash. That doesn't really strike. It's hmm. not quite right, but I think that's what the person has. Okay. Mountain maybe ash. You, mountain yeah, ash. Mountain ash. You may mountain be onto ash. something yeah. there. We may yeah. even get a clarification from the, yes. from the texture. <laughs> Hang on, Mary. We have another half hour of the show to go. We'll take this quick break. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering your lawn and garden questions by phone and by text. Mary, we have a bunch of both, so let's uh, get to it. Let's see who's been waiting. It would be uh, Ken, who's calling from uh, Blaine. Ken, you're on with Mary. Good morning. Uh, I have a couple questions. One, uh, I haven't seen any Japanese beetles yet. It seems like it's a little bit beyond when we normally see them. And the other questions I have is uh, trimming forsythia and rhododendrons. Uh, yes, Ken. Um, well, just you wait. Those those <laughs> Japanese beetles. It's it's any day now. You know, usually it's right now. It's the it's just around the Fourth of July. They will come out. So if you if you think you've got Japanese beetles in your lawn, you can. Lay on your back in the lawn and just watch them emerge because they come right out of the turf. They just start flying right out of grass that they love. They um, complete part of their life cycle in the grass. But, yes, you will see them coming out soon. This heat could really help them come out. And the first ones that come out, if you can pick off the first ones, they kind of sound the alarm for the other ones coming in. So the, if you're vigilant early in the morning and pick off the first ones that come in, you can hopefully um, hold them off for a little while. Uh, pruning forsythia, um, do that as soon as possible. They Forsythia bloomed a while ago, and then it's been developing its buds. Um, ideally, you prune that right after it finishes flowering. You could probably get away with pruning it now. Um, but this is when they form their flower buds for next year. Uh, same way with the rhododendron. Uh, try to get all that done by uh, in the next uh, 10 days. Okay. Thank you, Ken. Uh, let's talk to Carol, who's calling from uh, Mound, Minnesota. Go ahead, Carol. Good morning. Hello, Carol. Uh, hello, yes. Um, I have a patch of uh, <clears throat> these horrible uh, fizzles. And they keep growing every year, and we dig them out, and they come back. The problem is I don't know how I could kill them because they're right contingent to an organic vegetable garden. Well, I think the one thing you might want to try is mowing them off mechanically. If that's at all possible and you can mow with a lawnmower, I would mow them and try to keep those under two inches. So just think of them as a lawn you want to uh, repeatedly cut back. Uh, the thistle, especially Canada thistle, has a subterranean root system. Yes, and in, in, in not only is it up on the top where we see it and we pull it and think, oh, I got the roots, it can have a three-foot deep subterranean amazing root system. And then, of course, it will seed and uh, grow by seeds as well. So I would just keep mowing it, mowing it, mowing it. Another thing would be tarping it or solarization, trying to block it on top with, you know, uh, a heavy plastic tarp or something like that. And um, so good luck with that. Texter wants to know, Mary, Michael Mattis has wilted. Will I have to replace this or will it be okay next summer? No, that clematis wilt is uh, quite an issue. Uh, I think if it's wilted, uh, you can leave it there and see how it goes, but um, that's not a good sign. I've lost a lot of clematis wilt. Did you really? 
Yeah, I really have. The, the traditional vining clematis, uh, all those different cultivars. There are some other species of clematis. The recta is a totally different clematis that doesn't get that wilt, but it isn't the same vining plant with a big flower. So, um, but it, usually it's not good. And when it's been in the soil like that, you almost want to think about a totally different species or a different vine. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Nancy's calling in from Crystal this morning. Nancy, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, we've always had a big, big uh, supply of crickets in the whole neighborhood here, and they're loud, and um, we don't have any this year, none. I'm mm. wondering if you know why. Mm. Nancy, I do not. Uh, I, I have to do some, some better listening. I wonder if um, Jeff Hahn would know. Oh, huh? yeah, I wonder if Jeff would know. Well, I, I'm, I'm behind in listening to the webinar. I, there was a webinar, and I have it on my to-do list to get onto uh, a podcast or listen to, about the huge decline of insects worldwide. So um, I, I don't know that crickets have been named in this, but uh, we do know we have many fewer insects than we used to due to climate changes, differences in temperature, differences in rainfall. But uh, this is something I can certainly ask Jeff Hahn about, and uh, we can have him at least post a, a brief reply on the Yard and Garden News. Okay, good. So we'll look to give you an update there. Hey, you know what we should do, Mary, is give that website. Uh, yes, today. extension.umn.edu. And then you can uh, put in there Yard and Garden News or click on Garden, and it, Yard and Garden News will be a link you can go to. And you'll see there's a survey there. We're interested in what your comments are about the Smart Garden Show, any recommendations, changes. Uh, let us hear from you. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the phones. Let's go. Uh, David is calling, I believe. Uh, David, you're on uh, CCO. Good morning. You're on with Mary. Yes, good morning. Mary, uh, I have a Actually, two questions, but uh, first question is, uh, I have a 75-year-old peony plant that has been passed down through the family. And the, uh, it's growing well, except the last couple, couple three years, it, as the summer goes on, it gets this white, light gray, uh, white markings on it. Uh, it the, uh, I don't have a clue what it is. I tried spraying fungal, antifungal stuff that didn't seem to do any good. It doesn't kill the plant, but it, it doesn't look as, as good as it should. It doesn't look healthy. And wondering, do you know what that would be? Yeah, I think this is powdery mildew. It might be downy mildew, but more likely powdery when you have the white uh, discoloration. And as you say, it's not fatal, but it can weaken the plant. And coming in later in the year, it's due to high humidity, uh, shadier conditions, you tend to get it. Um, try to keep the foliage dry. That's the one thing you do. Improve air circulation, which is always difficult, but try to keep the foliage dry. David, okay, there's nothing you can spray. What's that? Uh, uh, yeah, not, it's not worth nothing it. Nothing you can spray. David not, is yeah. calling in by Mary from Kendred, North Dakota. Where's Kendred, North Dakota, David? It's about 20 miles southwest of Fargo. We, I listened to WC. I went to school for eight years at the University of Minnesota and became addicted to WCCO. Oh, we like that. Uh, for you. <laughs> we like that. Well, thanks for calling in this morning. We, we appreciate that. Now, Kindred, North Dakota, wanted to mention that. Thank you, David. 651 989 9226. 
uh, or send a text. That is the identical number, 651-989-9226 for your text messages as well for Mary. Uh, Okay, let's see. Oh, we've got, here it is. Uh, Another text, we just a bunch came in. Uh, My burning bush shrubs did not leaf out much this year, just a few leaves in each, but leaves at the bottom. Should I cut them down to a foot high? You can try this. This is the plant that took it on the chin this year because the burning bush died. A lot of these died. Big old plants died. And we are all still scratching our heads as horticulturists what happened. When I mentioned this, I was just at a conference with colleagues from around the United States, and I mentioned the burning bush loss. Someone said, what about bark cracking, the winter bark cracking, and that that could have been another uh, way it got injured. But you can prune it back because if it hasn't leafed out now, uh, that all of that is dead Maybe it'll come back, and maybe it won't. So you can see. All right. Tough, tough deal. 651-989-9226 for your questions. Uh, Here's another one, a text. My raspberry bush is growing healthy, no Japanese beetles, but the bush's blooms are not producing fruit. What's up? Well, they do take a while to for the fruit to actually be there. So I I would say if the fruit is, or if the flowers are there, the bloom should be there. If they're in the same location that they have been, full sun, getting enough water, and so on, they should come on. Um, if they don't, I I, I would just wait a while. Uh, maybe do some pruning. Uh, maybe there's too much vegetative growth there. But I I would wait a while to make sure that you don't have the and you just can't see them yet. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Brian, I believe, is calling from uh, Minneapolis. Brian, you're on with Mary. Yes, hi. Um, I, every uh, summer, purchase a uh, basil plant that's already grown, and I transplant them into my garden. I pull them apart and transplant them. And this year, I got some kind of copper-brown spots, which I understand is some kind of a disease. Um, As they're growing, I pinched off the top leaves, and the new leaves that are coming out don't seem to have that on it. Um, should I normally expect that it will eventually uh, infect the plant again, or might they grow healthy now? This uh, Probably what you have is uh, downy mildew on that basil. This has been a devastating prod- problem, a disease problem across the industry with basil. There are two kinds of basil now that are resistant to this downy mildew. But I think you'll only get that basil at the garden centers where they're talking about it being resistant to downy mildew. I do the same thing you do, Brian. I buy the basil at the grocery store. I bring it home, and I, especially the summer now, use it like I would a garden plant, put it in a bigger pot, and have it for quite a while. But the grocery store ones, it's, very, it's not likely they're resistant to downy mildew. So try some from the garden center. All right. Very good. Uh, let's. Uh, we're getting some reaction about the the crickets question. Oh, good, good. Who's hearing <laughs> crickets? Right. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris, there's one text that says crickets come out a little later in the year. And let's see. There's another one. I think Texter says it's too early for crickets. An old tale stated that 30 days after the first crickets, the fall frost comes. This is frightening. Good, yes. there are no crickets yet. <laughs> Let summer oh, live yeah. on. <laughs> so the the whole uh, the whole life cycle, and of course, we are still tracking. I was looking at a national map talking about two weeks behind. Now, pretty soon that's going to be over because we're into the heat of summer now. 
But uh, but I did see that about um, that was about seven ten days ago. The map was published for nationally showing we were behind two weeks up here. So thank you. Yes, it's simply the life cycle, the development, and the timing. So hopefully this is the answer yet to come. Maybe we can get a life cycle map from Jeff and put okay. that on our website. <laughs> Good, uh, Mary. Let's take a quick break here. We have more show, show to come. If you have a lawn or garden question. We have callers already on the line, texters as well. We'll uh, do this break and be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Law here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Let's, Mary, give that website again before we uh, forget. It's a great resource. Yes, extension.umn.edu, and then uh, type in garden or click on garden, and then uh, at the Yard and Garden News, you can see our survey about the Smart Garden Show. But you can search in uh, the Extension website for any garden issue you have. Put in uh, mountain ash, put in uh, apple fire blight. Those are some of the things we've talked about today. And you'll see pictures. You can verify what you have and what's wrong What's wrong with my plant, what insect is this, what weed is this. Lots of information. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, go back to the phones. Uh, Mark is calling from uh, Ramsey this morning. Uh, Mark, you're on CCO. Yeah. Good morning, guys. Hey, I want to prune or trim for the first time, you know, kind of shape lilac bush now that it's done flowering. But it's the one, it's the bush with the micro, tiny, really delicate flower, you know, real fragrant flowers. Yes, um, I think probably you have the the Miss Kim, or the, it's a little bit later flowering, the different uh, species than our traditional common lilac. And yes, so you want to do that right now. Uh, pruning lilacs just as the flowers are fading is the best time to do that. Um, you know, lilacs are all a pretty tough group. So if you want to shape them into to a particular shape, you can do that. Pruning out from the base is acceptable also, but this is a good time to do that. All right. Uh, let's uh, go back to the phones. Mary Jo is calling in from Edina with a question. Mary Jo, what is your question? Hi. My husband thought you'd get a kick out of this one. We have, and I know you've had this problem. I've heard about it on the um, boxwood. We've had a boxwood on the east side of the house for about 10 years. And um, this year, it's the whole top of it is all this gold color and it looks dead to me. My husband says he's going to get around to shaping it and pruning it, but he hasn't done it yet. And I went to the store and found a can of green spray paint that just about <laughs> matches it perfectly. And I am ready to paint it. And he's saying, well, I think you better check it out because it might kill it. So <laughs> I thought I better ask first. <laughs> yeah. We're still laughing here. We were just talking about boxwood off the air. We were just talking about it, but I didn't think about spray painting it. So is it? your question is, uh, is the paint going to be toxic to the boxwood? I guess, well, you know what? The area that is gold or brown is dead. And that stem on mine, and I think all, all of our listeners, if you got a brown on your boxwood, yeah. it is brown from top to bottom. That stem is dead. So if you could carefully recolor your gold to green again with a spray paint, go for it. Especially if it matches. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> that section of your boxwood is dead. My boxwood is not even going to need pruned. It has been weakened so much by the winter that 
I don't have to prune it this year because the whole thing is not growing, even though mine's only about 20% gold. But give give it a shot and try not to get much paint on the others because that paint is going to make a layer on your green leaves, and that is going to interfere with photosynthesis. So only paint the brown. Use some masking tape. <laughs> oh my gosh. My <laughs> colleagues are going to say, you should have told her not to do it. <laughs> yes. What, why not? Like you said, that part is dead anyway. It's dead. All yeah. right. Uh, Texter says, I grow tomatoes in containers on my deck, and they do very well, big and bushy. But once they start to fruit, the leaves die and fall off. I still get great tomatoes, mostly cherry tomatoes, are what I grow. Is it normal for the leaves to die when the fruit is growing? Yes, because this is when the diseases develop over time in the summer. Septoria leaf spot, early blight, the late blight even can come in. Those over this course of our summer will start and then devastate from the bottom up. We find that, yes, you can still get a crop of tomatoes. Michelle Grabowski, our uh, plant pathologist, would say, yes, you can still get a crop. And I I do not spray for these fungal diseases. Uh, you, it's very difficult to... Um, have any chemical control on these. Try to keep the foliage dry. When they're in containers, you have a better chance of just watering them at the base. Keep the foliage dry. Keep them in full sun. You can hand pick off the brown leaves. Once the, the yellow brown ones, take those off. So good sanitation. You mentioned the phrase full sun. We just got a text a bit ago saying, what is considered full sun? I'm, I'm wondering if my tomatoes are getting enough. It's six to eight hours a day. Okay. Some people say eight for sure, maybe six, but you really have to time that. Is that plant in the sun for that amount of time? Anything less than that, six to eight, is um, partial shade. Okay. Uh, Mark is next up on the telephone here. Mark, you're on with Mary. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help Uh, you? I have a a question about my uh, front yard. I've never had this issue before, but I have mushrooms growing in there. Yes. Is that something I need to be concerned about? No, mushrooms are really a temporary issue. They're growing on some decaying organic matter. It could be old roots if a tree was taken out from that area. It could be pieces of bark, pieces of mulch. With moist growing conditions, uh, lots of moisture, that's when mushroom spores actually germinate and start to grow. If they bother you, you can remove them uh, with a rake or just by hand removal, getting rid of them. Once the fruit, the fruiting bodies will be short-lived and they will die. Okay. Seen them in my yard too. It's it, it, it just, up. just knock them over. You know, yeah. No big deal. All right, uh, we have textures. I'd like to grab as many as we can to what, uh, let's see, you've answered that. We've talked about the crickets before. How do I get rid of wild raspberries, Texter wants to know. Just repeatedly cutting them down. If they are in an area where you can mow with a lawnmower, uh, they don't like that. They need to have at least six inches of growth. So if you maintain them less than six inches, like uh, what lawn height of cut, they will die. Texter says, I'm growing flowers for my daughter's wedding in five weeks. How can I ensure that the annuals continue to flower until then? Good for you. That's a, that's a fun idea. If you have annuals, that's the best thing. They will flower all summer long. 
Uh, probably fertilizer is going to be your limiting factor or watering. Don't go on a two-week vacation and not have somebody water these annuals. So watering and fertilization, we just wrote an article on that, maintaining annual plants mm. on the Yard and Garden blog. So uh, fertilizer, the liquid fertilizer uh, once a week is, is uh, annuals need a lot of fertilizer to keep, keep flowering. All right, good idea. Something Texter says is either cutting off or eating my geraniums and marigolds. They're cut off and the green just lays there around the plant. Nothing eats them. They are just cut off. What could be, what it could, could what could it be? Well, there is a cutworm that is uh, very um, much the color of soil that does come in and cut off things. Usually tomatoes, we see the cutworm on and it's hard to find those worms. But it could be just pesky animals, uh, chipmunks, uh, other animals trying out things, trying out your plant to see what it tastes like. So um, I would just kind of watch closely and see what you can find if you want to put up some type of a barrier to keep uh, animals uh, out of it. You know, I have birds. I have finches that love alyssum, and I watch them on my porch boxes just sit there and eat the alyssum flowers. So um, just try to try to watch closely and see if you can see what it is. But I would expect cutworms or an animal. Uh, Mary, we have just about a minute to go. Somebody wanted to know more details about the Master Gardener Garden Tour. Well, you mentioned garden tours before. Yes. So the Hennepin County uh, Master Gardener Tour is, what what is that going to be? The 13th, I think, of, I'll look it up here. Okay. The, it's the sa- second Saturday. But uh, go to Hennepin County Master Gardeners. I would just Google that and see if you can't see uh, right there their garden tour. Yes, it's July 13th. And um, this is a learning tour, and uh, you can pay beforehand or you can pay the day of the tour. But uh, the information is on uh, just Google Hennepin County Master Gardener uh, Learning Tour, and they'll tell you what area of the city it's in. Many times you can go to the first garden and you can buy uh, your ticket there. Excellent. Well, Mary, we're out of time. It's great to see you. I know you'll be back again next week, next won't week. you? Next week, yes. Right. My pleasure, Dan. All right. And Steve Thompson will be sitting in at that time. So thanks, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.